What's going on, everybody? Happy Tuesday or Wednesday if you're listening to this on the 14th. Uh, for us right now, it is April 13th. We have a very, very uh, exciting episode for you tonight. Um, the headlines are hot. The headlines are very, very hot. Um, Tommy Lloyd to Arizona rumors, hotter than ever before. Uh, we don't really know what's going on there, but uh, we're going to discuss it to the best of our ability. Uh, we seem to have a little president versus athletic director slash alumni situation going on down in Tucson. Gilbert Arenas certainly had a lot to say earlier today. Joel Yai and Corey Kispert making news in Zag Nation. Um, and then finally, we're going to talk about the transfer portal madness that is ensuing in the college basketball world right now. Uh, but most, most importantly, we have a very, very special guest. Someone that you all know and love, especially if you pay attention at all to Gonzaga Twitter. Brenna Green, sports director for Creme 2. She was live uh, in Indy during the um, NCAA tournament. She was there for the shot against UCLA. And then, of course, the crumble against Baylor. Uh, we'll get into all of that and more. And then lastly, we're going to end the episode with a sweet, sweet farewell to two of our beloved Zags that we are that, that have now officially announced they will be uh, leaving school next year, Corey Kispert and Joel Ayai. But with me today, a little, a little curveball. None of the other hosts. Instead, all of the interns. Say hello, boys. Starting with Cooper. Alphabetical order. <laughs> What's going on, guys? This is Intern Coop. Wow, it's, uh, it's been a while since I've had to do this. Feels a little weird, but... Um... Nonetheless, happy to be here. A little disappointed that this was our first week without college basketball. Definitely left a little weird taste in my mouth, but it's beautiful out here in uh, Portland, mid-60s, and yeah, ready to dive into it, so let's go. Very fired up to be here. It's intern Dan. It's almost an intern coup we have going on here. It's about time that uh, we get to start running this show, but hey, next man up mentality. Some guys aren't here. We'll step up. We'll, we'll bring the heat. What up, what up? It is intern Zambi here. We have Baja currently crashed out on the couch. He spent this past week with my sister. Um, I was down in San Diego, got a concussion, very sunburned. Hopefully this does not affect the quality of my performance today, but I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's go. Electrifying, boys, electrifying. Well, let's just jump right into it, Dan. Take us to the headlines. Well, here we go, Zane. You uh, touched on them ever so nicely in the introduction, but Tommy Lloyd is still the Gonzaga men's basketball assistant coach for now. This Arizona thing is getting dragged out. It is a mess online. Uh, it is a media nightmare for Arizona. I would hate to be an Arizona fan. Um, what's going on here? I, I got a couple things with, with this whole story. First and foremost, <clears throat> uh, in the beginning of this whole thing, I think we all kind of admitted to ourselves the Arizona job, is one that is really tough to pass up on. But during this past week, Arizona has made it a lot easier to pass up on just in the way that they're handling this. There's leaks on Twitter, apparently. 24-7 um, Sports, I think, apparently has some chat room that was you know, releasing some information about how Tommy was already offered 
uh, a two, uh, what, like a five-year gig for $2.88 million. Uh, Jeff Goodman has released like complete contradictory uh, information on Twitter as well. Um, we have Zoom interviews. Uh, I, I do not know what's going on in this situation. But what I do know is that Arizona is making this job, which should be a glowing job, less and less appealing. Um, not to mention just like Arizona fans, they, there are some good fans. We've had some really good interactions on Twitter with them. Um, but like, dude, they're not giving Tommy a chance. The alumni is like worse. The alumni basketball players are the worst. Um, and so I, I, Tommy, why, like we love you up here. I get that it's a head coaching gig and it's like, you know, the, the blue, blue bloods of the West coast, but they don't like him down there and they don't, they're not even giving him a chance. Yeah. The, uh, you know, basketball alumni thing, Gilbert Arenas, an assistant coach doesn't have credentials. I won't even say his name because he doesn't deserve it. Dude. Like I get wanting to back, you know, one of your own, a guy that played at Arizona, a guy that, you know, is very deserving of a high major job like Damon Stoudemire. But if, if you are a basketball fan and you can't acknowledge what Tommy Lloyd is about and what Tommy Lloyd would do, you know, at a place like Arizona that has all the resources in the world and, you know, has such a tradition that makes it an attractive job. Like Tommy would be phenomenal, but now I'm starting to think no one deserves Tommy, but us. Yeah. I mean, this whole media circus has just been way too crazy in the group chat. Granted, I was on vacation, but I was like, I can't keep up with this. Like, <laughs> I am giving up, but it really just sounds like they're trying to push Tommy out because everything that I see coming out, granted, if there's any merit to what I'm reading on Twitter, who knows it's Twitter, but it just personally, I wouldn't want to go there. Like wait a couple of years. If another blue blood opens up, you can go down that route, but like you need the support of the alumni and the fans as well. It's just, a, I don't know. It kind of irks me to be honest. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. Most of what I'm learning is from either Paige, our resident Arizona fan, with his dad being a huge fan of that program. But apparently, like, the big thing right here is it's the president versus the athletic director who is in association with the alumni. The president, from everything I've heard, wants Tommy. They want that kind of guy to, like, deal with their pending investigations. They want him to help them get out of this mess that they're in. But the athletic director wants to appease the alumni. And that route is Damon Stoudemire, which is not a bad choice. Um, it's just <laughs> it's just chaos. Like I, I don't know the last time I've saw I saw like a uh, like a coach off like this, like a race for a coaching job. I know the USC when the last time they're trying to uh, who who's the current uh, Cardinals head coach? Pretty boy. Cliff. Cliff okay, the Cliff. Clingsbury thing was chaos with USC trying to like stop him from interviewing. This is like almost just as chaotic as far as just like internal uh, mayhem. Yeah, it, it really is. And we'll, we'll get into this a lot more with Brenna as now this is the story in Spokane. We'll uh, get to talk to Brenna about what it's like to cover something crazy like this. And you know, what, what, what would it mean if Tommy were to leave? Brenna will uh, give us some insight on all that stuff, but Moving on to guys we know are leaving. Two of the best to wear a Gonzaga uniform. 
We knew about Joel Iai earlier in the week, and tonight, Corey Kispert posting his farewell to Gonzaga on Instagram. Both Iai and Kispert are moving on. Yeah, I feel like we knew we knew this day was coming. These were when when we went through the list of you know players that we thought were going. These were two at the top of the most obvious leaving. Um, I don't think any of us expected Kispert to take advantage of that like extra year. Why would he? I don't think that's that draft stock is as high as it's going to get. He's going out as like the poster child for what it means to attend Gonzaga University. Uh, and put in the hours, the work. Um, and as far as AI, I mean, I think we all saw that too. He's just got such a special skill set that seems to translate so easily to the NBA. I can't wait to see what both of those guys do. Um, we've talked about this before. I just hope that they go to a relevant team that's sometimes on TV. I am sick of watching Pacers games and Wizards games. I want a real basketball team. Could not agree more. I want to see those guys on teams that are not the Detroit Pistons. They're not the Orlando Magic. Get those teams out of there. That goes for Jalen too, but Jalen's going to be screwed as a top three guy. But hopefully Corey and Joel, both are kind of mid to late first rounders where they're going to go to teams that like could be in the playoffs. So, you know, be great to, to get to watch them on, uh, on a big stage and, uh, at the end of the show tonight, we'll uh, give our nice farewell to Corey and Joel, a little reflection of kind of what those guys brought to Gonzaga, what they, how they kind of embody what the school is all about. So moving on from those guys, we also have the transfer portal just going absolutely crazy. We have our first two Zags to enter the portal. We kind of thought this was coming. Our guy, Umar Ballo and Pavel Zakharov, both in the portal. Ballo never quite uh, materialized the way that we might have hoped. It's sad. It's sad. I think we all envisioned um, that that gooey chocolate chip cookie coming out of the oven. Uh, some of us envisioned it this year, <clears throat> Jake. Uh, others, you know, thought this might be more of like the Rui treatment. Um, that being said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a spade a spade here. Uh, I, like. I think the program outgrew these two individual players. Um, you know, that's harsh, but it's it, it kind of is what it is. If you look at the roster, um, I don't know where Pavel fits in kind of at all. I think Ballo has the potential to be a guy that, you know, can come in every now and then maybe next year, uh, especially with the Kessler news. We'll get to that in a second, though. I know Dan's going to Dan's gonna fill you in. But if Chet comes and Timmy comes back, it's just like – Ballo's not he's not going to get playing time he might get the same exact thing this year so I think it's good for both these guys um that's pretty much all I got on that kind of sad to see I I, I wanted to see Ballo grow I, I'm, I'm a little bit sad about that yeah I'll uh I'll jump in real quick um Pavel came as no surprise I think what's his name Coop? Pavel oh Pavel but yes <laughs> Pavel, Pavel, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think he came as any surprise to any of us. Never really got any playing time, especially this year when I think feud turned to Greg in critical situations where Timmy and Watson were in foul trouble. But yeah, Omar was a was a bit of a surprise, no doubt. Um, 
I figured he would have, you know, came back, um, really worked on his game. But to see him leave, definitely a shock. But to your point, Zane, I think our program has taken another step where we're no longer a place for guys to work on their game for three to four years. We're definitely in that one to two year stretch where you come in, learn the system, and either play that year or next year you're a starter. And that's kind of where we're at. So that just wasn't the case for Omar. Yeah, I am bummed to see Ballo go. Um, just a quick note on him. I was pretty excited for him along with Jake. I was like, oh, he, he just turned 18. He's fine. But I think the equivalent of the oven with the cookies, he's an Otis Spunkermeyer. And he made it to the tray, but then the angry wife came out and was just like, nope, nope, <laughs> we're not giving those to the kids. And so that's where it got left. But I, I think Party Marty, he'll find a smaller school and hopefully he can live up to his name. Party Marty hasn't gone anywhere yet. Yeah, I, I was going to say, have we? do we have an update on Come on, we gotta we gotta be it's gotta be leaning heavily towards transfer, right? I feel oh, yeah. like he's kind of that he wants to take on either that rem role or just sees himself maybe breaking into the lineup, you know, year three or year four. I think Dude, he that's such a brutal downgrade from his freshman year to take the rem role. Like that's a big <laughs> he, he was, was getting he, some playing time. Was he getting him. minutes his freshman year? Yeah, like when, when there was foul trouble, he was kind of like the strother almost when he was a freshman. Like very similar role. When every every time freaking Petrusov got in trouble, it seemed like he was coming in to help out a little bit. I don't know. I like to think that it sounds like few kind of takes all these guys aside at the end of the season, tells them straight up where he sees them and you know, his lineup. And I think he was, you know, fairly transparent with Marty and said, Hey, if you work on your game and you really bring it that you have a shot. So I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting to see where those guys end up. I think Ballo still has potential if he can get functioning hands, maybe. Um, so hopefully he doesn't go anywhere that like we got to see him down the road. Could you imagine that, like a Ballo revenge game and like a NCAA tournament somewhere? Dude, that would did be wild. Anyone, did anyone else seriously recruit him? No, but yeah, I don't. I don't know where he's gonna go. Honestly, like, do you think he's gonna, he's gonna really, end up at like a high major? That really says a lot. If we're just, just like we're taking a flyer on this kid because he's huge. Just imagine if that dude had to seriously line up against Drew Timmy and play defense against Drew. He would literally break his ankles. Like it would be a health concern for Ballo on the court. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. And hey, Pavel, go play somewhere. Go have some fun. Uh, all right, moving on to the other portal news, uh, Walker Kessler. We thought he was a guy that was he uh, was transferring from North Carolina, big fella that the Zags were recruiting when he was in high school. Kessler was rumored to be, you know, Zags were be the front runner, or he was going to go back to North Carolina. Instead, he pulls a little hezzy hay on us, goes over to Bruce Pearl and Auburn. Yeah, I mean. Uh, from from what I've heard, Auburn was pretty heavily involved in his recruiting initially as well, just because it's so close to home. Um, and speaking of being so close to home, uh, I think we can all, you know, put up our hands and say this kid is a like is a phenomenal talent. But I mean, off the court, it seems like this kid has some issues that he needs to figure out, particularly with his fear of like leaving home. Um 
And I was talking to Paige about this kind of yesterday because because that is the reason. That's the reason why he like kind of stayed around with North Carolina and then he was even too far then and and now is at Auburn. Um, the kid is charming soft. He's charming soft. And if he has like NBA aspirations, guess what, bud? You don't get to like, you don't get to choose where you get drafted to. And you might have to leave home one day. If I'm an NBA scout, I'm like a little bit concerned about this guy's homesickness and, and his ability to like be able to perform away from mommy and daddy. And trust me, I get that he's 18. Everyone's different. Everyone has, you know, development. They, they have different ways of developing. And, and when you leave home and all that, I was in college. I was fine, but others weren't. I just, to me, it's just, it's a bad look for NBA, for NBA future, like draft prospects, I guess. You wonder if there's like, you know, something going on in the family that maybe he needs to be closer to that we don't know. That would make me feel like a real asshole. Kind of give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit, but (laughs) I totally agree. I mean, uh, like, well, okay. One thing we haven't mentioned here, but the fact that he's not coming against Zaga, it's got to tell you that he's under the impression one Chet's coming, and two Drew Timmy's probably coming back, right? Like, yeah. Don't we think that that's now the assumption if a guy like that turns us down because he wasn't going to get the minutes? It w- it would seem like that. I I think I w- it. I think it more has to do with the fact that he just wanted to be closer to home and. Um, I think that played a pretty pivotal part, but yeah, no, I definitely think that he doesn't want to be that third or fourth guy in line. He wants to be the guy and he'll have that opportunity at Auburn. No doubt. I'd, I'd also add that I'm kind of glad he did not choose to go back to North Carolina because I think that is a weird, weird move to like enter the portal and then like go back to your team. I get that. Like everyone has that ability. We might end up with Balo and Pavel still on our team next year, uh, but I think it's that's different because they're your bench guys and they're exploring options where they could play. When your superstar tells your team, hey, fellas, uh, I'm going to go explore other options where I want to be the superstar. And then, you know, change a coach. Coach says, we want you back. Like, I get that the coach is saying that. The other guys on the team, like – I don't know, man. That's not my dude. I'm not rolling with you if you're the superstar and you are up and abandoning us. So I'm not a big Walker Kessler guy. Go have fun at Auburn. Have a nice career. Hopefully you can make it in the NBA. But I'm glad you're not in a Gonzaga uniform. This is a blessing in disguise. Yeah, there is a <clears throat> one thing I want to toss out here. Do you guys think it has anything to do with his ego? Because if you're a true grinder, even if there are people in front of you, like – even if it is North Carolina, like if you can grind and prove that you are what people say you are, I feel like that adds tremendous value to you as a player. And so, I mean, maybe he'll be able to do this at Auburn, but still, I mean, I'm okay with the Zags not getting him, to be honest. Zambi, this uh, concussion might have brought you some enlightenment. That was a great <laughs> point you just made right there. Jeez. Yeah, uh, thanks. But, but no, I mean, that point right there, like Mark Few talked about how that's how Jalen reacted when he knew Andrew was coming, was that the best players aren't afraid of anybody. They know that they're going to be the guys no matter who's there, who's who's in front of them, and they just want to play together and win. So clearly Walker Kessler is not that kind of guy. Uh, we'll see what, what he does in Auburn. Bruce Pearl's probably paying him a little extra under, under the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So elsewhere in the transfer portal, uh, Chris Beard wasting absolutely no time at Texas. 
just loading up, got his guard, Andrew Jones, to come back for an extra year of eligibility. They picked up Devin Askew in the portal, who the Zags were high on. And they also got an all-Pac-12 guy, Timmy Allen from Utah. So Texas is loaded up, and we're going down to Austin next year to uh, go see Chris Beard and his uh, new-look team. So that's one school that's uh, making some moves. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do wonder – it seems like he's really uh, benefiting from the transfer thing uh, in the, in the one year kind of, kind of rule that we have going on here. But um, I wonder how long it's going to take him to like incorporate and get, get his style going with that team um, because it is a unique style. Um, it's like a very like hustle defense kind of hard nosed style of basketball. Um, and you got to get guys to buy into that. And so hopefully, I mean, I don't really care if they buy in or not for his sake. I hope they buy in. Um, I don't see Texas just coming out of nowhere and being like a super powerhouse next year. I think uh, within the next four or five years, that is going to be a force to be reckoned with down South. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got on, on, on the Texas thing. Uh, with the whole, yeah, with the whole beard and Texas thing, isn't there also an off chance that I know McClung declared for the draft, but, Obviously, if his draft stock isn't there, is I think it's a shoe in that he goes to UT to play for Beard, right? I guess, but there's a lot of guards there now. All of a sudden, like, is Mac McClung better than Andrew Jones? Dude, is Mac McClung an NBA player? Like, I don't really know. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, what is that guy like six two? I mean, yeah, he, he has hops, but oh, I just don't, I don't see know. it, man. I see that guy dominating Europe, but like I just don't see it in the end. Like, prove me wrong, you know. But he does make big time shots, though. He's not afraid of the moment. I'll give well, him. Well, Coop, if you take fifty shots in a game, a couple are gonna fall. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. So the portal's hot. Dickie V's got to be pissed. We know how much he hates the portal. He thinks it's destroying college basketball. I think it's kind of fun uh, for Zag fans. A couple names to maybe. Maybe keep an eye on uh, Dejon Davis, senior guard from Stanford. He's a Seattle kid that the Zags recruited heavily that ended up going to Stanford. He's now in the portal as a senior, a 6'5 guard that can add some, you know, much needed experience. And then I know Jay Page was fired up about seeing this guy's name. Bryce Thompson, uh, guard from Kansas, is going to say, Bill Self, I don't want to be a part of your lifetime contract. I'm leaving Kansas. So two big-time guards, and I think now that we know Joel's gone, we probably need a little bit of, uh, you know, experience kind of in that uh, for the guards, I should say. Yeah, going, going. I don't mean to deviate too much from you here, Dan, but going back to the Dickie V point, I, I, I'm curious where the group lands on on his sort of stance. Are you with him? Do you do you do you dislike what's going on here? Do you think it's bad for the coaches and program development, or are you in favor of like sort of the players having? the ability to just move about and change schools if they want to on a whim. Um, I'll, I'll kick things off here. Um, I get it from the standpoint, if you're someone like, you know, Pavel who just hasn't touched the court in two seasons and is looking for a fresh start. I totally get that. But if you're someone like, like the guy from Creighton, Christian Bishop, I think the guy who started their like their big man, if you're someone like him, why are you why are you using the transfer portal? You made it to the Sweet 16. You're on a good team. I just don't get that. Um, 
So I think it's really a case by case deal where if, yeah, if you're someone that isn't getting playing time, then yeah, go for it. But if you're on a team that's, you know, winning and competitive and playing, then I don't think you need to utilize the transfer portal. That's just me. Yeah. I, I personally don't really like it because it's like, okay, I made my decision, but I made the wrong decision. Hand up. I did transfer after my freshman year. So guilty, but I think the whole player development and actually buying into the program is something that's pretty, pretty big for college basketball. And so just seeing like the record number amount of guys in the transfer portal, if you have tipped in edits notifications on it, there's at least like five a day. It's ridiculous, but not a huge fan of it, but I mean, we'll see with the whole COVID stuff, probably get back to normal next year, but yeah, not a fan. Yeah. The, the sheer numbers of people in there is crazy. I think, I think it should be around. I don't think this many people should be using it, but at the same time, like there's no reason to, like there, there, there's no punishment or anything for him. So it's like, Zambi, like you said, you went to ASU and you ended up transferring. And I think everything ended up, you know, for the better for you. But oh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess like at the end of the day, like it's similar kind of deal. Yeah. You're dealing with a coach and playing time and wanting to be the guy and all that. I think if, if a coach leaves, absolutely everyone should be able to go to the transfer portal and you can, you know, adjust like that. But I don't know how you have the right stipulations to like control it. Yeah, and I think I think that's actually what Dickie V has suggested. Um, I I personally think the answer is somewhere in the middle, um, as as it always tends to be. I think this year is just chaos, but it's a direct response to COVID, so that is kind of what it is. Um, the whole I, I'm kind of just so on the fence, like when when with the argument that like oh you're hurting the program, like you're de- you're committed to this program. Well, like every other student in college can just transfer whenever they want. Um, and the players, the basketball players are supposed to be like student athletes. Right. So I, I get that argument. I also kind of get the argument that like, if, if you're transferring, it's because maybe there's something wrong with your program. Um, especially if you're like the star guy, maybe there's something wrong with your program. And then it's the coach's duty to make sure you're, you're operating a program that young kids want to be a part of. Um, and that's why I don't like, you don't see any superstars transferring from Gonzaga. This is a great program. They like to be here. The people that are transferring are guys that are really good talents that are just aren't getting playing time. Cause there's so much more talent ahead of them. And so I think it, I, I kind of like the accountability it puts on, on coaches and the program per se, but I mean, who knows? I don't know. Uh, this isn't, this isn't my duty to to delegate this but so i'll throw it back to you dan real quick just to to uh, close off the zag transfer portal talk the doctor himself sean harris has spoken on twitter about not getting kessler not getting askew we don't need them we've had 30 plus wins for the past five years zag fans have been spoiled rotten dogs play with dogs 21 22 squad is straight nasty New era in Spokane. Our record won't be the same as last year. Neither will our results. This squad will win a championship. So Dom is staying. Sean Harris. <laughs> Mike drop on the portal. And oddly enough, that was in response to a tweet from Brenna Green, who we're about to hear from right here, the Creme 2 Sports Director. I have loved Gonzaga from the first time I saw him. I mean, it's just too much depth, too much size, too much experience, and a winner's mentality. Kinsburg. 
1,000 points in his career. Look at Drew Timmy. Oh, Timmy, man. My guy, Timmy. Timmy spins oh, Timmy, left Timmy, and Timmy, does it Timmy. again. Timmy, again. Show. Oh, Timmy, what are we seeing here? Kevin the God day. Choosing the rebounds and puts it in. We're tied at 90. Three seconds left. Here's Suggs the other way. Pull up three for the win. Yes! Yes! Set yes! the championship game! Let's not mitigate or minimize what Gonzaga was this year. I, I don't think Gonzaga's going anywhere. Gonzaga's not going anywhere. The Zags watch on. All right, we have a very special guest tonight. We are joined by, first and foremost, a fellow Zag, and she is also the sports director at Creme 2 in Spokane. She is Brenna Green. Brenna, how are you? Thanks for coming on with us tonight. Still recovering from Indianapolis, but we're getting there. We're getting back to tip-top shape, so there you go. Yeah, uh, I know we ran into each other in the airport. I was certainly ready to get out of Indy, and I was – I was only there for a couple of days and there as a fan. Uh, I wasn't, you know, working around the clock the way you were. Have you kind of caught up on uh, on sleep now and kind of getting back back to yeah. you know, feet on the ground? Yeah. I just did my I just did my first story today that was not Gonzaga related, not anything. It was completely different and it felt like a breath of fresh air. I love Zags. Sometimes you got to mix up the subject matter, okay? And it was like, oh, okay, I can do things outside of Gonzaga-related content. Great. So, uh, so yeah, anyways, yeah, definitely uh, definitely have gotten some sleep in. I think I'm still on East Coast time because it gets to 10 o'clock here every night now. I'm like, time for bed, which is, like, not normal for me. <laughs> so, but I just haven't, I just haven't given it up yet. I'm just like, yeah. Like I just like all of a sudden the clock hits ten and I'm like zonked. So that's that's uh, that's, that's still the residual effects of indie right there. Well, we'll uh, we'll kind of go back to some you know memories from indie. But you you left indie thinking you kind of left the madness behind you, but you come home and the Tommy Lloyd rumors start swirling and they haven't stopped and it's just a ton of speculation everywhere. Uh, one kind of what's the latest there and what is this like for you covering when everything is just like completely off of like Twitter rumors and chat rooms and whatnot? Yeah. Um, people who are listening to a podcast right now don't see my eyes rolling. Um, so I actually got a, uh, I got a text, uh, right after I saw you in the Indianapolis airport saying, Hey, this is, this is happening. And I was like, Whoa, what? Okay. Um, and that's when I kind of first like got caught wind of it. Um, it's been it's been really interesting. I mean, I was just talking with somebody else in the media, and we were kind of going through everything. And we're I, I don't know what to say. Something stinks down there. Something is not right. Because I'm going to be honest. If you would have told me at this time last week Tommy Lloyd wasn't the head coach at Arizona, I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, oh that. That, that was a done deal easily by Monday easily we are still waiting um so you know I, I think I think that former players um raising a stink has certainly uh put a put a dent or you know put a put a plot twist in the university's plans um and uh you know I mean there was that clip that came out today with uh Gilbert Arenas I think who was uh talking mad smack about Tommy, which uh, 
it's uneducated. Um, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and you might be actually turning away like the best option for your program. You might actually be turning him away. So, um, so yeah, anyways, uh, it's, it's weird right now. Um, you know, I, I, I still think Tommy's in the mix, um, but I'm not so sure anymore if he's the numero uno candidate like he was a few days ago. Yeah, well, we are on this podcast as, as people who don't actually get to interview coaches or, or really do any sort of background research, we are speculating as much as possible. 24-7 on Twitter. We are we are constantly searching Tommy Lloyd's name in the search bar. Um, and, and we've kind of come to the conclusion on our own that the longer this thing goes, the more likely it seems like he's going to end up staying at Gonzaga. And, and at this point, it, if you would have asked us last week, Arizona is a glowing job. It's one of the best jobs you can have in college basketball particularly on the West Coast. It's like a blue blood of the West Coast. But the more and more this goes, it seems like even if Tommy gets the offer, do you really want to go to a school that that seemingly doesn't like you? The fan base is, is really harsh to him. Former players do not support him whatsoever. Um, and what's sort of your take on that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, do you want to go to a place where um... – you're not wanted out of the gate and uh, there could be some serious, very serious sanctions coming down. Are you, are you entering the best position for, for your first head coaching job? I mean, if I'm looking at that, I'm like, well, I've got, you know, this great gig in Gonzaga. We're going to be one of the top three teams in the country next year. Again, like, you know, there's going to be more head coaching jobs. Do you just want to walk into a situation where, automatically people are looking at you skeptically and on top of it you might not be in a position to win for the first few years which is something Tommy Lloyd is very used to doing (laughs) so um yeah I mean those two things I I think I think if you're him you, you you have to be considering that stuff um yeah I think another thing just personally that he's considering that maybe some people are I would imagine he's considering that some people may not be putting into um putting into stock is the fact that his son plays an hour, 45 minutes away from Tucson, I believe. Um, So, uh, you know, I think that's, I think that's a heavy draw for him as well to be able to go watch his son play. Um, You know, who knows, maybe, maybe he'd try to bring his son over to Arizona. Um, So, you know, that, that's, I, I think that's something that's also kind of going on there that maybe is the X, maybe another factor in this. Um, But yeah, I mean, if I'm him, I'm looking at the landscape and I'm going, this isn't what I, what I thought this was going to be. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the potential for his son joining him. If, if he were to end up at Arizona, because in our headlines, we talked about two uh, players, Gonzaga players that have entered the transfer portal um, in Omar Bolo and Pavel Zakharov. If big, if Tommy Lloyd ends up at Arizona, is it possible that those two, obviously it's possible, but do you think it's likely that those guys will end up at Arizona? I think Umar would end up there. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've seen Umar and Tommy working together before um, after games and stuff like that, after women's games, after guys games. Um, so I, I, I definitely think that Tommy um, has a relationship with him. Um, 
Pavel, I'm not so sure about just because of the fact that he didn't, he really didn't get that much playing time at Gonzaga over two years. And at least Umar got some playing time over his one year there. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would imagine that uh, if, if Tommy were to get the Arizona gig, uh, he would be a heavy favorite to land Umar as well. Very interesting. And kind of last Tommy question, then we can, you know, move on to something else, but if Tommy does go, uh, what is that impact on Gonzaga? If you can kind of summarize it, cause it feels pretty big. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, because if this was five years ago, I would say it was absolutely massive. And I still think it's a big impact. Don't get me wrong, but um, Gonzaga has definitely um, done a lot more domestic recruiting over the last two seasons. Um, they're now in the conversation for all the four and five star guys. So they aren't looking as much to the European players. Um so I would just say, you know, it's an impact on recruiting, but maybe not as bad as if it were like five years ago. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is just, you know, it's, it's just the way that Tommy coaches and the fact that he's had a heavy influence on their offense. Um, you know, obviously a very European style of offense that Gonzaga runs. So, uh, so that would be my, my biggest impact. Actually. I think a lot of people would think it's recruiting, but I, I, I don't think so as much considering um, how the Zags have evolved over the last few years. Yeah. And, you know, we talked to former Zag Ryan Edwards on this podcast and he kind of talked about just the way that Tommy's able to really get you fired up and how guys just kind of go to war for Tommy. So maybe like even just culturally, you know, his, his impact and just kind of the way he can inspire the guys is kind of one of those, one of those other things, but let's go back to the bubble. Let's go back to, you know, an unbelievable ride in Indy. Uh, we were both there. Let's just go straight to the final four. I mean, just f- from that absolute euphoria of the Sug shot and then, you know, to what happens on Monday, just kind of your takeaways from, you know, those two games. And if, if anything, like, what do you think happened between those, between those two that, you know, ended up in what happened that, you know, following Monday? I mean, they, they just, they put a lot of energy into that UCLA game and that's, you know, that's really hard to come back a day later and play a team, you know, the caliber of, of Baylor and, and be able to put it together. Um, so, you know, I mean, Mark Few said in his post-game presser, he doesn't feel like there was any sort of hangover. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really tough and they were just getting, they were just getting demolished in all facets. It was, it was bad. Um, and I don't need to say that everybody who's listening to this podcast knows that. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's hard to say that there wasn't some sort of hangover. I, I, I think that'd be really hard to overcome. Um, you know, you have all eyes on you and, and you guys just put this, you know, had this all-time NCAA tournament game, and oh, now you get to come out and play Baylor, which, you know, wasn't a favorable matchup for the Zags, as we found out. Um, so, you know, between the fact that it was a tough matchup as is, and then you have kind of that that hangover from the UCLA game, uh, especially because they put a lot of energy into that game. It went to overtime. Um, the rotation is short for Gonzaga. There were only seven players deep. Um, so, you know, between all those factors, I, I think it's hard to say there wasn't some sort of impact. Maybe it's not like the raw, raw impact, but I think physically there, there has to be, there just has to be. 
yeah, and you know, obviously, we I, I think everyone's kind of beaten the Baylor thing. You know, we, we all know what happened there, but let's kind of go back to that. Just you know, shot from Jalen Suggs and yeah. the greatest moment I think in Gonzaga history thus far that any of us can really think of. Obviously, yeah. you got Calvary and you got the whole, you got the whole timeline, but I think Suggs in the Final Four is probably the peak. Uh, I'm just curious for your perspective as a neutral broadcaster that's also a Gonzaga alum how did you react in that moment and did the old like no cheering in the press box thing ever apply for you um so first of all Calvary set, told us that he thought that Sug shot was the greatest shot in Gonzaga history so there you go the man himself thinks it so uh so therefore if, if Calvary says it's the greatest shot in Gonzaga history it is the greatest shot in Gonzaga history thank you very much um but uh yeah, it was it was interesting because um, you know I was there. So basically, there was like two press rows at the final four. There was one that was down on the floor, and it was like all the big time national journalists. And then if you were one of five local journalists identified by your team, you could be down there on that floor. Um, so it was I think it was like twenty five seats in total or something like that. Very, very limited. And then there was another one that was up on the 600 level where I'm sure all the players looked like ants. Okay. So I, I was lucky enough to be down on the, on the floor. And um, it was funny because I mean, I had, I had a few national journalists in front of me and um, even they rose out of their seats. Like, and I mean, I like, I did like the half raise. Then I was like, oh shoot, I'm not supposed to react to this. But it wasn't even like, it's, it's not even like it was like a my team sort of reaction. I think I would have had that reaction for anything because it's like, you're just, when you see something that amazing, you can't help but not have some sort of physical reaction. It's just, it's impossible. I know somebody else who was on the other end of press row who told me that they screamed. Like, and, and they're like, they they were like, yeah, it wouldn't have mattered who it was. Like that was just such an amazing moment that I just like could stop that from happening. God bless masks. Um, so anyways, yeah, I did like the half stand and I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. And then I like had to like sit myself down as I was like fighting myself, like the natural instinct is to keep standing up, but like my mental was like, sit down. And so that that was kind of uh that was kind of how that one played out. I love That's it. good. I, I'll tell you, as a member of the media as well, I remained neutral in that moment. I, I remained calm, cool, and collected. Uh, sure that's did. that's a joke. We were going nuts over here. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I think, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just one thing. I just want to say, I think uh, your former classmate, Andrew Quinn, um, also had had quite a reaction while he was in uh, our newsroom at Krem. <laughs> so uh, I may or may not have video evidence of it. Uh, so yeah, anyways, there, uh, there may or may not have been a lap around the newsroom that was taken, which you know what? Can't blame them. Can't blame them. Oh no. And especially we, we just, we just labeled it the best shot, the biggest shot in Gonzaga history, no doubt. Um, but I'm sort of curious the bubble this year for the NCAA tournament, it's unlike anything that like, I'm sure it's unlike anything you've ever experienced. Uh, what was it like to be there that long um, going through the protocols for that long uh, and and staying focused on your task covering this team. Yeah. So we weren't, no media was actually like inside the bubble. 
So we didn't get tested or anything like that. Um, I never got tested while I was in Indy. Um, but the thing that was, you know, obviously very different from years past is that, you know, in, in years past, there's like a 30 minute um, locker room period before and after each game. Um, not like the day of before, but like the day before where you can go in, you can interview players, you can get what you need. You can, you know, if you want to do like a feature story for whatever reason, you can ask those questions. Um, there's, there's a gif of like Rui Hachimura going, who? Uh, that's from a locker room session when he, I was asking him about Jimmy Kimmel. Um, so like, you know, you don't get that. We got coach, we got Mark Few, and we got one player and it was awful. Like, I mean, and I don't think, I don't think anybody liked it. Um, maybe like, maybe like, you know, Mark Few liked it cause it meant not as long as media for his other guys, but like, I mean, you know, like, for example, like the UCLA game, let's see, after the UCLA game, I want to talk to, of course, Jalen, who we got, but I want to talk to Drew Timmy. I want to talk to Corey Kispert. Um, I want to talk to Andrew Nimhard, who made that incredible step back three. We didn't get any of that. So, um, so you just had to be really creative in what you were doing, which is fine. I love being creative and doing different stuff. Um, and thankfully there was, there was never, there was maybe some days where I walked in and I was like, I don't know how things are going to shake out today, but they're going to shake out. We'll figure it out. Um, so there maybe was some days like that, but, um, but there was never a day where I came in and I was like, oh man, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Oh no. You know, um, thankfully there was just enough, enough things to do. Um, so that was good. You know, it's, it's always, it's always fun to kind of do different stuff and maybe not do the the normal stuff you do during the NCAA tournament. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, in, in one hand, it was, it was cool to do something different. On the other hand, would I ever want no locker room access again? No, I'd like to be in there. Thank you very much. Um, I, plus there's nothing more fun than a locker room after an NCAA tournament win. It's awesome. So, um, so yeah, you know, that, that was something that was, that was very different. And I am praying next year. It's not like that. And I'm praying next year at Gonzaga. It's not like that. Cause they let us have locker room access after games as well. And obviously that didn't happen this year either. Um, so we'll have to see. It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting when the season rolls around in November. I know that much. Aside from, you know, the, the challenges and the way that you had to cover the team and just how different that was just Looking back even now, you know, a week or so removed from the end of that run, what do you think you're going to remember, you know, most about this team and this, you know, just historic season just for the Zags? Their love for each other. Um, it, it's, it's not about the wins. It's not. And, and I mean, I could be totally, you know, I could see some people being like, oh, God, she's drinking the tea. Oh, my goodness. But. I mean, it was just so obvious being around this team all season and seeing them in the kennel and just how they interacted with each other and even like pregame warmups, how like just how much fun they were having with each other. Um, and I, I think that that is what really was, you know, what powered this team. People would always ask me, what's the X factor? And I'm like, the X factor is that they have each other's backs. Um, and it's just really special to be a part of. And, and I mean, even this year, I think, I think we saw a lighter version of Mark Few than we've ever seen. He just felt um, so, he, 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 
he didn't feel burdened by anything. You know, he was just, he was just like loving being a part of this team. And I thought that was really special that we got that version of Mark because it doesn't happen every year. It doesn't. In fact, I would say it's probably only happened two years. Um, so it was, it was, that was, that was something that just will always stand out to me and means, it means a lot more to me that I was able to be around this team and, and, and witness that than it does to me to be able to say I covered a national championship squad. Very cool. Yeah, speaking of Suggs and, you know, just how iconic this team was, you know, with Suggs, Kispert, Ayayi, obviously Ayayi and Kispert have declared that they're leaving and we know Suggs will follow suit with that. Um, so kind of with that, kind of a two-part question, who's on your Mount Rushmore of all-time Zags players and does anyone from this team make that list? Oh, man. <laughs> Cooper, wow. Cooper always brings the uh, heavy hitters, Brent. I'm sorry. <laughs> like who, who's who? Yeah. Jeez. Now I'm trying to think of all times that. All right. I mean, oh man, I got to pick a four one. Zags. All right. I, I think, I think, I think you have to put, I think you have to put Casey on there because he's the one who started it all. Right. Um, I think you have to put Nigel Williams Goss on there. Because he is, you know, he, he had such a huge impact. I think, obviously, you have to put Amo on there. So that leaves one spot. Yeah, one spot. Oh, man. You know as who much is. As, you know as, who is. <laughs> as much as I love Jalen and his shot, and I think it's an incredible thing, I got to go Corey. I got to. Like, Corey is a four-year player who came in and led this team through thick and thin, especially the last two years. He was the leader, no questions asked. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's something that is undervalued by people. He's obviously done incredible stuff on the court as well. Um, but I, you know, in terms of leaders that I've been around as a media member, I can't think of a better one. And, and I think that is, I think that's what sets him apart. I think the, the Mount Rushmore thing is very interesting because I think you could ask all of us, and I think we might – everyone was going to come up with with a different yeah. form. But, but this team was was so special, and we know that there's a chance they're going to look very different next year. You know, with already knowing you have no Corey, you have no Joel, you have no Jalen. Uh, Drew Timmy, huge question mark. Where do you stand on Drew? Should we stay or should we go now? situation I, right there i think he's coming back um i would be really surprised if he's not coming back um especially yes. especially with the fact that walker kessler did not come um that it is going to auburn um you know i i always thought it was going to be a really hard sell to have chet timmy and walker all on the same team and uh i mean this looks like i'm i yeah i feel like i feel like i'm right on that you know i Heard a few whispers that like, yeah, I think he's coming back sort of thing. Obviously, I think he's going to, you know, declare for the draft sans an agent. That's what he should do. Um, but, um, you know, he still has some stuff to work on. And, um, you know, he had a great, incredible tournament. But that Baylor game exposed some things. And uh, I know Drew well enough to know that he's pissed off about those things. And, uh, and I think he's going to want to come back and and be an even bigger monster. And uh, I mean, I know Chet hasn't committed yet, but Chet's coming. 
So like, I mean, you know, that's literally what everyone says right now. Chet is coming. So, um, I mean, a Chet and Timmy front court is going to be amazing. I'm so <laughs> excited for it. Um, so yeah, I would, I would venture to say right now, just how things have shaped out and, you know, just the, the things that I have heard, I, I think, I think that we're going to see Timmy back next year. I got a quick follow-up for Timmy. Obviously, Timmy, this year, he did he did something that most Zag fans aren't used to. He did a lot of celebrating on the court after shots, after and ones. I know, you know, we're the, the five of us on this show right now. We didn't graduate Gonzaga too long ago, and it didn't seem like few was allowing that stuff, or it just wasn't happening when we were there. I got to ask you. Which celebration by Drew Timmy did you like best? Was it the mustache? Was it sort of the twirly finger? Or was it just the flex after the N1? The spin cycle. That's what the he calls cycle. it. Puts him <laughs> in the spin cycle. Man, the mustache is iconic. It's like his own move. It's, you know, the spin cycle, like we've heard that before. You know, people have flexed on people before. The mustache, that is, that is copyrighted for Drew Timmy. Okay. So I think you can't go, I think you can't go, I, I think you can't go against it, but um, I will say uh, underrated move. And it was talked about on the broadcast during the Norfolk state game uh, is the, is the, the few chest bump. And um, just in general, the dude has immaculate handshakes. It's like one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. And it's not just his teammates. It's every person on staff. I'm like, how do you remember all of these? I would have enough brain wits to remember one. But he's out there just chopping it up with everybody. It's like, it's, it, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it. So, uh, so yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of noticed it as freshman year. And like, I remember like going into the locker room and being like, I want to talk to Drew. And everyone's like, why do you want to talk to Drew? And I'm like, I want to talk to you about your handshakes. And they like had to like pull him over and he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there I am in the locker room asking him about all his handshakes. And he, like everybody was like, I mean, literally like an SID had to go grab Drew from off the couch because nobody was talking to Drew. And so, and they're like, uh, Brennan wants to talk to you. And he's like, why? Like, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, anyways, uh, just the dude is committed to the hand gestures. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Do you think Drew can work his way to your Mount Rushmore, depending on what happens next year? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> I don't know. Unless, like, if he hits a game winner for the national championship, maybe. <laughs> oh, just, just something little. Just something little. <laughs> the bar's I mean, not I too high. I don't know. I mean, Corey, Corey's a four-year player who, like, his leadership is so solid, and I think there's so many things off the court that make that, that make him special. Obviously, Amo is one of the greatest players of his. Oh my God, I forgot John Stockton. What am I doing? All right, we're yeah. I, didn't want, I didn't want to say anything, but I'm like, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> you thank you. Thank you. All right, Calvary, I'm sorry, my friend. You're a great person. You're out. Stockton's going on there. Um, so, yeah, anyways, um, goodness, that's, that's embarrassing. Uh, apologies to everyone involved with that. Um, so, you know, like, I. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think you he would have to do something pretty incredible in the NCAA tournament to usurp Corey. Where, in my 
where does right now where like for the past like 10 years i'd say we've been known for our big man development with between like shemek you have j3 obviously clark Rui. where does timmy rank is he in your top five of big man right now or like in gonzaga history or over like the last 10 years let's go gonzaga history does he did he crack that top five or um trying to like race through everyone in my mind i i think i think he's like maybe like five or like approaching top five i'm just i'm thinking of a big man i mean you have sabonis who's an nba all-star so you know yeah (laughs) um you have your brandon clark who i think um is one of the most incredible Gonzaga stories. I, I, I think that, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Um, Rui, who's also in the league. Then, I mean, you can't forget about Turioff. He's pretty, I mean, obviously he's pretty, pretty solid. Soccer. Um, Soccer. Soccer. <laughs> Rob. I love Rob. Okay. But I don't think he's top five. And I think that he would probably agree with that. Um, what about Shemek? Yeah, well, yeah, Shemek's obviously up there. Kelly? Um, I mean, Kelly? <laughs> Ke- Kelly, yes, Kelly. So, I mean, yeah, you, get, you, got, you got Sabonis, you Kelly, Clark, Hachimura, <laughs> Turioff. I think he's no still – I think he's just a little bit outside of the top five, but he's, he's, he's working his way. He could overcome some people. He could do that. Yeah. So, you, you brought up – Corey Kispert again, and and I gotta ask because it's the most recent news involving Corey Kispert today. His his Instagram post. What does it mean to be a Zag? I know all of us on this show can relate to that since we all know what it means to be a Zag as we're graduates of Gonzaga University. What were your thoughts on that post? Just because for us, it was it was sort of a little tearjerker, not necessarily, but it gave you some feels. It gave you some feels. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are, I think there are certain zags throughout the year years that have embraced Gonzaga basketball culture culture. And then there are certain zags throughout the years that have embraced Gonzaga's culture. And that's what Corey has done. Um, and, and I think that's really what sets him apart in my eyes. Um, it is just the fact that he wasn't, he wasn't just a basketball player at GU. He, he wanted to be more than that. And I think that's, that's really incredible. Um, and that, you know, obviously a lot of the guys that embrace Gonzaga basketball culture over the years, I have, I have great respect for as well, but Corey embracing Gonzaga's culture, I think is something that just says a lot about him as a human being. Um, and you know, the, the, the quality of character that, that he has. Yeah. I think, uh, Corey epitomizes it perfectly. I think he is why we're also invested in this program as a lot, like, like we don't play, we don't deal with the wins and losses, but like just watching the way that those guys, you know, support each other, love each other. And the way that Corey just really grew, I think, you know, obviously the future, couldn't be any brighter. And Corey is a huge, huge reason for that. So, you know, unbelievable year, Brenna, you did such a great job covering it. Uh, We're lucky to have been able to follow you. Um, We're excited to see, you know, what's coming up on deck, obviously, you know, 
next year could be even better. Maybe. I don't know. Obviously there's just one more game to win at the end that, that would make it better. But uh, we thank you, Brenna, for, uh, for, for, for coming on with us. And now that we've had you once, we might have to check in with you again as uh, next season approaches. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And yeah, I mean, I think next season, I think they, and I think they have just, I think they have just as good of a shot and it's in new Orleans. So like, so like, let's all go to new Orleans. Everybody can be there. I've said this to people. All right. I know not winning this year stinks, but next year, probably it can be a full stadium. So like, I mean, it stinks not winning this year, but like, wouldn't it be more fun to have everybody in a stadium together for the first national championship? So yeah. Uh, next year, New Orleans, uh, everybody can be there. Let's run it back. Let's do it. So there you go. Love it. That's the way that this one has to end. Thank you, Brenna. You're the best. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, again. Thank you so much, Brenna, for joining the show. A couple of really Good sound bites there. The Corey Kispert embracing Gonzaga University, not just Gonzaga basketball, all-timer. Might have to throw that into the Gonzaga segment drop. We'll see. But for now, we mentioned it in the headlines. We lose two of our Zags officially today from this past season. Uh, Joel Ayai, the French Flash, declares for the draft. Um, and then pretty shortly after in an emotional Instagram post entitled uh, what does it mean to be a zag Corey Kispert also forgoes his COVID eligibility um, boys let's just walk quickly through memory lane here uh, Justin what will you remember most about Joel Ayai well, I'm going to go the untraditional route here because obviously he had an absolutely fantastic career with Gonzaga um, besides being the first player to ever record a triple-double for the Zags. I mean, he kind of just entailed everything you need to be um, to be a Zag. Kind of cliche there, but no, it was ironic because I was talking to uh, AC the other day about this team and stuff like that, and I remember after the initial championship run back in 2017, I remember seeing Tommy walk into the cog like literally a week later followed by another young man who I just like, I was like, Oh, I wonder if that's a recruiting trip. And then the week after that, I see, Oh, Joel Ayai commits to Gonzaga university and looked exactly like the guy that I saw walking with Tommy. And I was like, Oh, that was kind of cool. Like it just kind of all happened quickly. You don't really hear much from him for a while. And then I remember probably, I think later that summer or the summer after that. Um, no, it was later that summer. I get a couple Snapchats from um, my my housemates after you guys moved on, and I see two particular French basketball players playing beer dyed in our uh, classic 917 backyard, and they were like, these guys are running the table. They're like 8-0, blah, blah, blah. So that's just kind of like a cool little Gonzaga memory about how they interact with the community. Um, you know, whether it's delinquent activities or just good guys overall. Um, just kind of fun little memories right there. Dan, I know you got some emotional little tale for us here about the French Flash. About the French Flash? Man, I, I don't really – it's hard to have an emotional one with him. I just think 
his development, man, is just crazy. Like I remember people said that he was a guy that could never play for Mark Few. He just was too erratic and too skinny and was never going to be a, a high-level player. And then I think I remember Jake, honestly, uh, sharing with us the way Ayadi was just balling in that FIBA tournament. And Jake was probably like getting up to like watch this at like four in the morning because he just loves the international contingent of our Zags. And he's, you know, always on it in the, in the off season. And we see Joel just pop off and we're like, is any of this going to be, you know, uh, sustainable. And he comes back and started on the bench. You remember last, you know, two years ago, then gets in the starting lineup and then never looked back. And then all of a sudden became, one of our best players had an unbelievable career seemed like anytime you needed something on the floor, Joel was the guy, whether he's stepping up, knocking down threes, getting offensive boards, just slicing the defense up, cutting uh, such a fun player to watch. And a guy that I don't think there's a lot of players that are like him. So very unique, very glad he was a zag and uh, can't wait to see what, what he does next. Um. Yeah, I'll take it from here. Um, I think the moment that sticks out the most for me is going back to two years ago, the Arizona game. I believe this is when Joel was still coming off the bench. Um, but in that game, I believe he hit like a go-ahead three, or not a go-ahead three, but just a three that kind of cemented the win and just really played well that game. And from that point forward, I think few started him every game on, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that, you know, just kind of shows what kind of player he is as a player that's not afraid of the moment and kind of knows his role and knows how to contrib contribute, whether that's scoring, passing, or playing defense. He's going to get it done, and I think he's going to be able to do that at the next level. Zambi, final thoughts on Joel EI? Joel, honestly, I feel like you just went under the radar. And I was thinking about this um, throughout the episode and the phrase I want or the adjective, excuse me, I wanted to say was sneaky, but I think slippery is more suited for him because his cuts and just <laughs> <laughs> how he went about the core. It's like, okay, is he going to slice and dice you or is he just going to pop up, drain a three, that little swish. Um, I think that'll be what I remember most about Joel and obviously the, Ay oh man, I just realized how much I'm gonna miss that now. Oh god, I get emotional. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. over here. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll I'll take it from here then. Um, yeah, I mean, you know about the triple double. Um, we've talked nonstop. I mean, this guy got all the you know selfless stats, always filling up the rebounds, always getting assists um scored when we needed him to was so consistent scoring um kind of especially this last year but what i'll remember most one moment i'll take with me forever um was the 2019 2020 season the game winner against uw and that was especially special for me because at that time uh i was in school still going to classes and i was going to school with a bunch of uw's a bunch of huskies over there and boy, oh boy, were those guys freaking annoying. Love them, but they're annoying when it comes to their Husky basketball. And I could not live with them beating us that year. And thank you, Joel EI. You allowed me to not have to deal with that grief. 
and you gave me some solid ammunition to shit talk for the next couple of weeks um, and, and, and then beyond. And so with that, as, as a few too many podcast, we'll raise one up. We'll say cheers, Joel Ayai, to greener pastures. We fancy you, Joel. Fancy. And moving on, another one, uh, Corey Kispert, who was able to make Brenda Green's Mount Rushmore of Gonzaga basketball players. Uh, a lot for what, you know, not just what he did on the court, but what he did off the court, how he carried himself, how he presented himself. I thought it was especially telling during his interview after the national championship game this year. Um, and so let's just do it again, boys. Paige, same order. What do you got for me? Corey Kispert, what will you remember most? Corey Kispert, man. I mean, talk about the prototypical Gonzaga student let alone athlete. I mean, Brenna, Brenna hit it right on the head. I, I just immediately think of leadership. In a year that had so much turmoil, um, following a year with so much disappointment and not being able to play an NCAA tournament, the fact that he was able to bring together a group of a lot of new faces, um, take that on and uh, lead these guys to a national championship, an undefeated season, you know, up to that point, I mean, Regardless of that outcome, he'll he'll forever be Gonzaga, just the the classic Gonzaga basketball player. I, I don't even know what to say about him. A specific moment, he's just all around stud. His development, similar to Joel's. I mean, what more can you say about the about the guy? Is that me next here? I think it is. Uh, Corey Kispert, man, um, just unbelievable development like jay page said that journey i remember when we knew he was coming back for good last year i think i tweeted out like there might be players that are better than him on this team but he's without a doubt the most important little did i know that he would turn into one of if not the best player on the team i mean he was so like think about the fact that every defense was just trying to take him away and he was still popping off for you know 20 plus and draining threes and all of a sudden driving on you dunking on you um, the dude just did everything on the floor, but off the floor, even bigger. I mean, the way he articulated what it means to be a Zag. And I think that's something that we all can totally, you know, align with. And the fact that, like, we do this, like, we do this podcast because we love being a Zag. We love what that means for our friendship and, uh, you know, being able to root this team on together. And, hey, hey one last thing. Corey said – you know, when you play on this team, like, you know that these are guys that are going to be in your wedding. Now we're starting to get to that stage, Zane. And I'm thankful that we're all Zags and Corey embodied that beautifully. So that's getting emotional tonight. Get, get oh. us out of here, Coop. Get us out of here. <laughs> Jeez, Dan. Really? <laughs> God. Break out the Kleenex, dude. Um, no, I think when we did this farewell segment, would have prematurely a couple of weeks ago, I'd said something to the tune of that. I foreshadowed that uh, Corey would be that guy that get it done Monday night and he'd be hugging few. And well, that wasn't really the case. <laughs> um, I think like Paige said it, um, he was just our unsung leader. And while it didn't really show up on the court at times, he was always a guy that really kept the, the boys together and I guess a moment in particular that really, um, really 
makes like makes that a big point is um when uh that Oklahoma game when Suggs got pushed into the bleachers and Corey was the one guy that kind of kept the team from or kind of kept them from getting out of hand and that just kind of shows what kind of guy he is and how he's um gonna take care of his boys first before anything else so yeah cheers to him and I think he's gonna keep up the next level Yeah, no, um, I'll be honest, coming in, Corey Kispert wasn't, like, super high on my list. I'm like, okay, like, another guy from Washington, whatever. He won a state championship. But um, this guy, he really grew on me. And, like, we've talked about all episode, the embodiment of Zag. Being more of the Zag culture than the basketball culture, while there's nothing wrong with being with the basketball, I feel like more people can relate to the Zag culture since – I have five foot ten height and the moves of a post player. I'm not going to get that opportunity. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. In recent memory, um, I mean, it's tough to really put a finger on the kind of progression that Corey had throughout his career and how he ended up. Um, I'd say like the closest maybe would be Kevin Pangos. I didn't really like Kevin Pangos to be honest, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm very picky, hence my Roni Turioff top five zag lineup. But um, <laughs> a little hometown, hometown bias, but yeah, I'm going to miss Corey. Um, best luck, best of luck to him in his um, NBA career. Who knows? He might end up on the Memphis Grizzlies, and we're going to have to buy some jerseys. Oh, that would be a dream come true. Two zags, like playing a pivotal role on the same team. Um, but all right, here it is, boys. I'm going to give my closing thoughts on Mr. Corey Kisper and boy, oh boy, let me tell you this guy and I have gone 12 rounds with each other. For those of you who don't know, when Corey Kisper came into this program, I was representative of the Corey Kisper hater fan club. I may or may not have had a very inappropriate, uh, nickname for him back in the day. Um, but let me tell you. That guy proved me wrong, and I have never been happier to have been proven wrong. Um, no offense to, uh, like, I thought Corey Kispert was going to end up being like a Connor Griffin type player at this program. Um, no offense to Connor Griffin, but he, like, blew away my expectations. Um, I think a lot, like, particularly this year, I think he uh, enabled this offense to operate in a way that was so far superior to what we expected. And if you go back and you watch the, the Kansas, Auburn, and West Virginia games, the dude could score anytime he wanted to. Um, and that really forced defenses to focus on him. And, and that opened up things for guys like Nemhard, Suggs, especially Drew Timmy down low, just knowing that Corey Kisper could hit a three on you anytime. That enabled Drew Timmy to show off the mustache Sully every single time he went the little whoop de doop around the, the center. Um, and so I, and we've talked about his veteran presence on this team. I don't think anyone benefited more from that veteran presence than one Jalen Suggs. And you could see it in the way Jalen Suggs carried himself. And, and that all starts with Corey Kispert. Corey Kispert is the guy who exudes Gonzaga culture and what it means to be a player at Gonzaga for Mark Few. Um, and so the guy, I, he did it all, man. He, he was great. Uh, he'll be, he'll be 
so, so missed by this fan base. But he'll be that guy. He'll never have to buy a beer in Spokane again uh, for the rest of his life. Um, and rightfully so. Um, and so that, we raise, we raise a toast to Corey Kispert. Cheers. I think he uh, ended his post with, he hopes he made us all proud. Hell yeah, he made us proud, Corey. Hell yeah. Don't ever think anything else. Hell yeah. And with that, I think that does it for the show tonight. We, we got through a lot here. Um, Justin joined us about halfway through. Thank you for your presence. But boys, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I think the interns get a gold star for this show. I think we, we pretty yep. much ran point on this bad boy. So I like Pat that. On the back. Gold, gold star for the interns. <laughs> gold star for the interns. Final thoughts, uh, Arizona, just keep messing this up and we'll hang on to Tommy Lloyd for as long as possible. Yeah, I hold on. I don't know. You guys probably went on a rant. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We got to <laughs> probably no, edit this no. and put this in the beginning hold or something. fucking phone. Who the fuck does Gilbert Arenas think he is? Who's <laughs> <laughs> been out of the league for like 10 years and he comes at our guy. I'm like, Dude, when I read when I listened to that, I was like, "Good, keep fucking it up for your school. We'll take Tommy back and keep kicking your asses for the next ten years." So, hey, enjoy not making the tournament. We'll keep Tommy. We'll keep this thing rolling. I mean, I, uh, Tommy deserves a job, and the fact that they can't fucking get over their little '90s tradition—they won one natty—it's ridiculous. So I had to get that off my chest. It's just fucking ridiculous man i love it i love it and to end this show i would like to read you guys oh zambi zambi's got something really quickly i'd like to say it's been a pleasure going throughout the season with you guys thank you brenna for coming on the pod amazing interview and aside from that all i really have to say is go zags always a great day to be zag Always a great day to be a Zag. I'll close it out with this, a little poem by Corey Kispert. What does it mean to be a Zag? It's knowing that your teammates will be in your wedding. It's knowing that they'll absolutely care more about you than they care about themselves. It's understanding that they will be a big part of you for the rest of your life. It means that you will always have a home in Eastern Washington no matter how far away you go. Enjoy your day, ladies and gentlemen.